Good morning and welcome to our adult Bible class this morning. Glad to see you here and in the Lord's house and those who are listening by way of electronic means. May God richly bless you and those who may be watching on YouTube or Facebook. I was talking to, by way of text, our missionary in Argentina yesterday. And he said he was working on his message in Argentina. They're locked down. And so he said he was working on his message he says he didn't know much about all this stuff. I said, I don't either. <laughs> so I have Brother Rice help me, which him and, and his family, not all of them, but most of them are on vacation today. So, uh, so pray for them. If they're on vacation, they'll be back, of course, next Sunday. But so, so pray for Argentina. Now, according to Steve Thornton, June 1st, they're going to be able to have services and get about. It's, it's, it's tough. We're, we're doing pretty good, really. We can walk about. So pray for our missionaries, know they'll appreciate it, and I know as we look at our world, our nation, you can become very distressed <clears throat> or discouraged. And so I want to talk this morning to our adults about how to stay positive in a negative world. Now, I am no way referring to the world's thinking of the subject you can go to the bookstore, you can see on TV advertisements about all kinds of DVDs and things you could get. I'm talking about their solution because their solution is not the best or the right one or the lasting one. But to, also to the people who know Christ as their personal Savior, and most of you, if not all of you do, or many of you do, the real way to positivity, <clears throat> without him, there will be no positivity. The Bible says, in him... We live and move and have our being. And there's such a need for this today you now. And so I trust this will speak to your hearts and help you a little bit and bless you. Uh, millions of people who exit church services today and every Sunday and others who never enter services of a church are defeated by negativism. You know, we all know negative people. Don't be one. <clears throat> Now, I'm not saying we bury our heads in the sand and we don't pay attention to what's going on. It is dark. It is difficult out there. But negativism, you know, negativism is kind of like corona. You can get it by hanging around people with it. <laughs> and so you know it's like one negative person, one bad apple can make the rest of the apples bad. So negativism. It's a thief. It's a robber of, of adventure and joy in life. And this enemy, negativism, meaning the lack of positive, it weakens families. And so adults, if you're negative, you know what? Your kids are going to be negative. All you talk about is negative stuff. <clears throat> I can just picture some families eating at the supper table. Don't watch CNN while you're having supper, by the way. <clears throat> That's about the most negative thing anyway. <laughs> if parents aren't positive, don't expect your kid to be. You know, your children are a reflection of you and me. Sometimes it's good. I know sometimes they get to a point where if they're married now, the house, you can't control them. I know that stuff. But sometimes children are a reflection of their parents. In Sunday school, you can, you can go to these classes out here. You can tell what's going on at home by what the kids say and the way they act. So it's important for us to be positive and not let negativity. It weakens our families. It slows down churches in their outreach. Even the economy of a nation is drained by negativism. And on and on we could go. 
to those who are tired of being down, tired of despair, tired of clouds, tired of valleys, there's a better way to live positively. And so let me give you this verse, and we're going to go from there. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. It says this, Casting all your care upon him. That's not the end of the verse. For he, meaning God, Jesus, careth for you. Now, if you get nothing else out of what I say, write that verse, use that verse. That's a verse in the Bible. That's not out of some magazine. It's right out of God's word. So either it's true or it's not true. We all would say, well, it's true. Casting all your care upon him. I think of the story of, that I read about in 1929. Now, obviously, I wasn't here. I'm looking around. Some of you might have, you're probably just born, not even born yet. 1929. I read about it. I think my dad was born in 29. There was a man called J.C. Penney. I'm sure you've heard of him. He was a patient in Michigan in a sanitarium. And he was so depressed. And he really thought the next day he wouldn't wake up. So he actually, the night, the night before, he wrote letters to his wife and his family and basically said, you know what, I'm not going to make it. I love you, God bless you, love and kisses, JC, <laughs> whatever. <clears throat> but the next day brought a big change in his life. This is a true story, by the way. <clears throat> the next day he got up and he heard singing from the chapel services. They have chapel services every morning there. He went down there and he heard the songs. He heard the Bible. He heard God's word. Let me read to you verbatim what he wrote down because he could do it better than me. When I awoke the next morning, I was surprised to find that I was still alive. <clears throat> you ever feel that way? <laughs> I'm still here. Going downstairs, I heard singing in the little chapel where devotional exercises were held each morning. <clears throat> I can still remember the hymn they were singing, God Will Take Care of You. Going into the chapel, I listened with a weary heart to the singing, to the reading of the scripture lesson and the prayer. Suddenly, something happened. I can't explain it. I only call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of the darkness of a dungeon into warm, brilliant sunlight. I felt as though I had been transported from hell to, to paradise. I felt the power of God as I had never felt it before. I realized that God, with his love, was there to help me. From that day to this, my life has been free from worry. And, of course, he went on and started a store that you've probably bought stuff at. J.C. Penney. So he wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a missionary. He was a businessman. But he was to the point where he was in tough shape. And so... He, had, he Penny, had learned from his own personal experience that God really cares. Now, we all would have said that's a good verse and we like it, but to hear about it and read it and to experience it is a different thing. He experienced it personally, and it can be a difficult lesson to learn. Not all lessons are easy. Remember when Paul said, I have learned whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. In other words, he, even Paul, as great as he was, he had to learn that lesson. But it's part of the Bible, too, so I guess we need to learn that lesson, too. What state, what condition? It didn't mean geographical state. He meant 
his situation in life because he got some tough spots, didn't he? How many times was he in jail? How many times was he beaten? Whatsoever state I am, they were to be content. We're talking about staying positive. We're talking about defeating negativism as a safe person because safe people can be affected by things. Jesus said, we're in the world. You're in the world today, aren't you? You're alive, you're breathing. But he said, be in it, but don't be of it. In other words, philosophy, it's thinking. And I think we all would agree that it's philosophy, it's thinking is not biblical, not the direction you want to go or you shouldn't want to go. But we're still here. And God has us here for a reason. And we live in a troubled world. If you don't believe that, watch the news all day one day. Only do it one day. You'll be so depressed by 11 o'clock at night, you'll end up shooting yourself. <laughs> I mean, really, we live in a troubled world, and trouble comes to all of us. Every single one of us have them, and I would not go through the congregation today. I'm sure that we all could, sit, could stand and give our little trouble. I shouldn't say little. It didn't sound good. We could all attest to the facts we all have troubles. If our conception of God's care is dependent on the circumstances, we find ourselves doubting his love. Some days are better than others. I like the candy bar commercial. Some days you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. That's Mars candy bars, which I absolutely hate. Got nothing to do with this. Baby Roos, they're really good. Snickers. My mom liked them, so I'd buy she That woman would eat a bag of Snickers candy bars every week. She liked them. She wanted them. I bought them. They're not cheap either. And she'd, I'd say, Mom, what happened to your candy bars? She goes, oh, I gave, I gave some to the girls. I said, yeah. I, get, I bought her bag on Friday and Tuesday. They were about all gone. I said, what happened? Oh, I gave them to the girls. I said, yeah, right. <clears throat> she loves Snickers. We find ourselves doubting God's love if, if our thought is the way things are going. And today you may be sitting here facing some difficulties in your life. And if you look at just the circumstances, you're not careful. You'll say, well, God doesn't love me. But when you think just a step further, you know that's not true. <clears throat> Few people have trouble believing God cares about them when everything's going good. It's when trouble comes. We need to remember what Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33. In the world. That's where we're at. In this world, ye shall have tribulation. That was Jesus a couple of years ago. Good thing that's not the end of the verse. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you expect it and you pray for, oh, God, give me trouble. You're a nut. I don't get up and say, God, give me some more troubles. I got enough. I'm sure you do too. But he's, we need to realize we're going to have them. In this world, you have tribulation. Then he went on. This is Jesus talking. John 16, 33. Then he said, but, look, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and John would remind us, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We all know those verses to be true, but again, reading them, hearing about them, and experiencing them in our life, the situation, sometimes difficult. We also read in the Bible that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Why did it rain yes yesterday? This is, this is true. As soon as I pulled my lawn out of the garage, it started to rain. I mean, the instant... I was 
not very happy. And I said, well, I said, that's never happened to me in my whole life. But you know what? I mowed anyway. Which you're not supposed to mow when the grass is wet. I mowed a little bit, and then I was so freezing cold. It was cold yesterday. So I went in the garage. That didn't help, so I went in the house. Got warmed up, went back. Whoever sent the rain, I guess the Lord, I don't know. But anyway, I mowed it. I finished it all. What I'm saying is, God didn't say, you know, oh, Mark's going to mow his grass, so I'm going to withhold the rain from his house. I would have been happy about that. He did. It rained. And when it snows, it snows at my house. It snows at your house. It was cold yesterday. Now, it wasn't 33, but it was cold. So the question is, how do we react when trouble comes? I said, bless God, I'm mowing the grass anyway, and I did. Now, it took me longer than normal, but I could have said, well, I'm just going to put the, gra- the lawn in the garage and forget it. <laughs> now, that's a very small, trite example, I know that, but it aggravated me. Now, I think you're probably human like me. I'm thinking, i got to mow this grass. It's going to be so high. I do not want to rake my yard. It's huge. <clears throat> I raked it one time in 26 years. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> it's a nightmare. So to me, that was trouble. Now you say, well, big deal, preacher. Okay, but maybe your thing that you think is trouble, to me, I think, eh, we're all different. But to you, it's a real problem. And so how do we react when trouble comes? Do you become pessimistic? Do you become depressed? Some Christians get angry with God. No, I wasn't angry with God. I just didn't like it that it was raining. By the way, I got wet, too. I've met many Christians who are angry with God because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. When they wanted him to do it. And so they're mad at him. You know what? You know who's going to lose when you're mad at God? You. You're going to lose. You're going to have ulcers. You're going to have problems being angry with God. And you never win. Someone has said this. Often the believer deepens his depression by insisting or excuse me, by isolating himself from the Lord, he says, in essence, I don't believe you're with me, meaning God. I don't believe you care. I don't believe you hear me. We know that to be not true, but for the moment we think it. And it affects us. We're talking about God caring for us. We're talking about being positive. Do you realize the world has nowhere to turn tonight, today? Those who don't know Christ, don't have the word of God, believe in the word of God, they have nowhere to go. That's why they do some of the crazy things. I'm trying to think of a good word. That's why they do some of the crazy things they do. They have nowhere to turn to. We have him. We have his word. We have his Holy Spirit. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to be a comforter. Who comforts you? He does. And one of the ways he comforts us is you read his word. The Spirit of God says, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like First Peter 5, 7. When we have the wrong kind of response, it it hurts us and affects us and others. We doubt God's care. Do you remember when the children of Israel were were standing at at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army were in hot pursuit? Or do you remember reading the story, I should say? At that moment, they doubted God's care because they they were like you and me. They were people. They're looking around, they're going, soldiers to the left of me, soldiers to the right of me, chariots behind me, 
the river in front of me. What are we going to do? And there was more than 10 people there. There was a whole bunch of people. I think it was a couple million. So you can imagine that. And so here's the armies of Egypt. They've escaped coming after them. And fear caused them to question God's goodness and God's love. Now they saw God's power and protection on them when they were in Egypt. God took care of them. And even during the plagues, they were protected and helped. But they thought for a minute that God had forsaken them. And they accused Moses, their pastor, if you will, their spiritual leader, of taking them into the wilderness to die. And they even said it to him, Exodus 14, verse 10. But shortly after they're talking to Moses, one of the greatest miracles of the Bible happened. And the Red Sea opened up. How'd that happen? God did it. Moses didn't do it. He knows he didn't do it. God opened up the Red Sea, allowed the people to escape from freedom, and the soldiers of Pharaoh who came after them, the Bible says they were drowned. Isn't that like us sometimes? We see this thing, we go, oh, wow. And the Lord says, just hang on. Be patient. Or whatever. And they experienced so many of God's miracles and God's blessings that they forgot for that. Just like us, we forget what God did last week, last month, last year, year before that. We, f- we don't consciously forget it. We forget it at the moment. And all of us have done that. We say, oh, Lord, do you know what's going on down here? It's like, are you, are you and I've said that myself, Lord, do you, do you see me down here? It's kind of a foolish thing to say, isn't it? The Bible says, thou God seest me. He sees you. If he knows the hairs on your head, or the lack of hairs on your head, whatever the case may be, he knows you're there. He knew where his people were. He knew they were at the Red Sea. He knew the enemy was coming after them. And God, at the right moment, opened it up. I wonder if God was seeing if they were going to trust him or not. It seems like God always waits till the last minute, doesn't he? Not always. Well, Lord, could you speed this up a little bit? I've said that more than two times. Uh, Lord, I know this is going to work out. Would you speed this thing up for me? Lord says, just be patient. We're talking about being negative. If you're not careful, it could become negative. And the devil, as we would say, sits on your shoulder. Now, he doesn't literally sit on your shoulder, but we say that expression. And he feeds stuff in your ears, and you don't listen to him. Do you think in that crowd there were some people that maybe said negative stuff? They just got barbecue in their pastor. Oh, you know what, Moses? You brought us out here to die. It's your fault. We'd been better off just staying there. So there sure had to be a couple people in the crowd saying, well, that, this is no good. I wonder what those people thought when the Red Sea opened up. The same ones that a few minutes before were saying, oh, this will never work out. We're going to die. And God opens her up. and Boom, they go through. And the Bible says they went through in dry land. And God took care of them. And we've had experiences similar to that. I don't mean the Red Sea, but God has taken care of us. But, but you know what happened to them? Just like us. This is what we need to learn from. Three days later. Are you, let me say that again for my sake and for your sake. Three days later, they couldn't find water that was good for them. And started complaining again. Three days. Not three months. Not three years. 
three days. Boy, isn't God patient with us? I would have said, tough luck. That's why I'm not God. And you're not God. Three days later, the only water they could find was bitter and undrinkable. And they were, they were doubting God and they were getting negative. God was so patient with them. And he's patient with us. Now, God does have an end to his patience. He does. I don't know when that is. I think it's individual. In this case, he was patient with them. And God sweetened the waters of Mara. The word Mara, M-A-R-H, means bitterness. And confirmed his promises to them, guaranteeing the continued care. Then they were on top of the world again. But you know, a short time later, they ran out of food. Now, food is a very powerful thing to all of us. In the cloud of gloom and despair and discouragement and negative, it moved in again. This time, they not only complained about their leaders, but insisted it would have been better for them to have died during the plagues that come in Egypt. The point is, every time trouble came, they kept looking back to Egypt. Now, in the Bible, Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. So every time we got in trouble, they started to look back with the world. The world doesn't have the answers. It's messed up on its own. And if you think the guys in Washington, and women, I should say, in Washington or Columbus or in Maslin or the United Nations, if you think they're going to straighten all the problems, I need to talk to you after church. They're not. Now, they think they are. Well, if you talk to them, oh, they got the answers. Yeah, right. The answer is in this book. They don't want anything to do with this book. That's not true of all of them. But don't look to the world. They don't know what to do, but God does. You may be looking back and second-guessing decisions made in, in the past. You may be thinking, well, if only I hadn't done this. Probably all of us have said those two words a couple times. If only I'd done this, or if only I hadn't done this. And the problem is you can't, you can't unscramble eggs. You go home and try it, let me know how you make out. Looking back is futile. It's unnecessary. It was, it was unnecessary for them. It's unnecessary for us. And you can't change it. God meets us where we are. They were at the Red Sea. God met them there. They needed water. God met them there. They needed food. God met them there. God knew about the hunger and thirsting of his people, and he took care of them. Do we read that verse in Philippians 4.19? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'm sure that some of those people in in Israel did not like the manna for the food. Manna really means, what is it? I mean, they never saw anything like it before, you know. And so some of them didn't like it or got tired of it. So which is better, to be hungry or to eat manna? My mom used to say, if you're hungry enough, you eat anything. I said, no, I won't. She'd make stuff I didn't like, so I ain't eating that. She goes, okay, starve. That's what she said. So I guess it worked. I'm starved. I made it. The point is, 
God met his people where they were, and God meets you where you are today. Meaning your circumstances, your situation. Adversity also caused Job's wife to doubt God's cure. Now, when Job, her husband, Mr. Job, was doing good, oh, God's really blessed. Things are happening. We got all kinds of money. Everything's cool. Everything's going. All of a sudden, her husband got sick. And he got his boils. Just to think about it makes me sick. To the top of the head, to the top of the bottom of the stomach, got boils. I can't even imagine that. And I don't think I want to elaborate on that. I'll just let you let your mind go. And so she concluded that God had forgotten her and her husband. Now, did God forget her and her husband? We all would say no. Why was she thinking that? Because trouble came, adversity. And the devil said, you see there, God's not, not helping you out. It's like the Satan told Eve, and that, well, you know what? God knows if you eat that, you're going to be like God's. And he's, he's withholding from you. Now, she didn't say these words, at least recording the Bible, but she said, okay, that's a good idea. And she did it. Look where it ended up. Not good. Job Job's wife, I'm going to call her Mrs. Job, because the Bible doesn't give us her name. For all I know, it was Sapphira. I don't know what her name was. But she concluded, because of the circumstances, that God had forsaken them. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but we've all done that, haven't we? God has forsaken me because things aren't going too good. That's what she did. Maybe that's why it's in the Bible. But you know what? She was wrong. Wrong. Now, the problem her husband had was real. Her situation was real because she lost all of her children. Can you, ladies and gentlemen, can you even imagine losing all your children? Just one. I can't imagine losing one. <clears throat> And so the problems were real, but she interpreted that meaning that God had forgotten about her. And she even said those famous words that we read in chapter 2 and verse 9. To her husband, dost thou retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. And Job's response to her was, he said, you're talking like one of the foolish women. And I think what he meant by that was this. It wasn't normal for her to say something like that. I don't think he was necessarily putting her down. You think, he's saying she's stupid. I don't think he meant that. He meant that was out of character for her to say something like that at the time. Do you ever say something out of character to the Lord? Well, God's forgotten me. <clears throat> Maybe out of your character as a Christian person. And so Job, I, what Job, I, in my opinion, what I think he was doing, he was trying to encourage her a little bit. He couldn't deny the problems. <clears throat> they were real. He knew it by himself firsthand, didn't he? He's the one that had the boils, not her. So he was trying to try encourage her a little bit. Someone said this about the situation. Men have been too hard on Job's wife for this one foolish saying of hers, forgetting how huge was her affliction. <clears throat> Indeed, a great injustice had been done. And while sympathy and admiration have, have been lavished on her husband, the partner in distress has scarcely received a glance of pity because his troubles were her troubles. <clears throat> she had been an influence, a happy mother of a happy family. Now she's plunged into poverty, the loss of her children, 
And she uttered one hasty, impatient word. There's a lot of truth in that. Job went on, and would not look back there, but in chapter 2, continuing, Job went on to explain to his wife that God's love is is unchanged because of circumstances. Today, either God loves us or he doesn't. We all know that he does. So he tried to explain that, and he didn't have the Holy Spirit or the complete Bible. She just was out of, out of character, and, she, and Job was trying to tell his wife that God is the same. He doesn't change. We change, don't we? The Bible says in Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you understand that verse fully, please help me, because I try to think of that. God's eternal. We are not. He doesn't change. The same God that was a God of Job and his wife and Paul and the nation of Israel is the same God. God doesn't die. He hasn't lost control. I think another New Testament example of doubting believers would be the apostles. There, uh, Mark chapter 4, we'll not read it for sake of time, in verses 35 through 41, Jesus told them to cross over to the other side, and they started on the journey without delay. And so Jesus went in the back of the boat to sleep. And a big storm came up. Matter of fact, the Bible says a great storm came up. And so the disciples were thinking, now what do we do? Isn't it strange? And I don't mean to be critical, but I'm trying to relate to us. These guys saw Jesus perform miracles. They saw him feed people. They saw him bring Lazarus back. They saw a lot of things. And he's there physically with them, and they're getting nervous. And many of them were fishermen. I mean, they never rode a boat before and had a storm. So I'm trying to relate to us. We're like that. We can identify with them. No wonder God put it in here. And so the storm came up, and they were nervous. And they went up and wake Jesus, wake up, wake up. Actually, the Bible says this. They said to him, Carest thou not that we perish? Here he is, the Son of God, who they knew to be the Son of God, believed to be the Son of God, saw and proved himself to be the Son of God, and they're waking up saying, aren't you going to help us? Again, God is so patient, so loving, so kind. If it been me, I would have thrown those guys all over the boat, said, tough luck, have a nice day, sink or swim. <clears throat> Say, well, Pastor, that's awful. You think the same thing, and you're just not up here talking? <laughs> you think you get tired of these boys. Now, these boys were not somebody just joined him last week. They knew him. You know what he did? <clears throat> he got up, he went out, and he said three words. Remember, it was a great storm. He said, peace, be still. And Boom! Everything was peaceful. By the way, if you go back and read the passage there in Mark 4, it says there was a great storm, and then when he said those three words, there was a great calm. And then these disciples, I should say apostles, these poor guys, they're so much like us. They looked at each other, and they said, what manner of men is this, that even the wind... And the seas obey him. Where have they, I would say, where have you guys been? 
Good question. Well, not really a good question, <clears throat> but that's what they ask him. And they could have answered their own question by this, that he's a man who cares in the storm. See, Jesus didn't get up, in my opinion. The Bible doesn't say that. Go back and read it. I read it again this morning. Mark, 34, Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. He didn't barbecue them like maybe you or I would, like you and your children. He got up and spoke three words, <clears throat> called everything because they were nervous. They were afraid. He loved them. Are you listening? He cared about them. Even though he would take care of things and they would be okay, but he allayed their fears. If he can say three words and stop a storm, he can do anything. That's right, because he's God. You ever read that verse? Is anything too hard for the Lord? We read it and we say, yeah, except anything except my problems, my difficulties. <clears throat> and I think that storm there in Mark 4 pictures the storms of our life. And sometimes we're like those guys. We say, now, Lord, would you? Would you, do you care about me? Well, you know he does. And sometimes he has mercy on us, like he did them. Now, sometimes he may not quiet the storm, because maybe you need to learn something. Maybe I need to learn something. Because he can doesn't mean he's always going to do it. Are you listening? You say, well, God didn't, he did, he didn't do that. Maybe God's saying, uh, just like you with your children, I'm looking around. Don't you, haven't you sometimes said, let them learn? And you let them go. Because they are going to learn any other way. Am I right? At least one parent shake your head, that's right. Sometimes are, sometimes. And I don't know when those times are. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the assistant Holy Spirit. God doesn't ask me for advice. He doesn't need my advice. But sometimes I think God says, all right, go ahead. That means go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, and, and you hopefully will learn something from it. Do you think these boys learned something that day? Peace, be still, three words. Now you try that. Go up to Lake Erie and get in a boat, and you try to say peace, be still, see if it works. I think they learned something, but you know what? <clears throat> we identify with them. So soon we forget. Just like the children of Israel, three days they're already complaining again. So I think these guys, by the way, they weren't done with complaining. They weren't, but, and sometimes we're like that. Proof of God's care. God's care, of course, is shown in his creation. <clears throat> the story is told of Martin Luther, who started the Lutheran Church. He was a Catholic priest, by the way. At any rate, <clears throat> he changed. One day he was depressed. Can you believe that? He lived long before us. So one day he was depressed. He's looking at the window, I think at his office, and he saw this bird sitting on the branch. And this bird, you know, just kind of tucked its wings, just kind of went, went to la-la land. And he said, wow. <clears throat> he remembered that verse that God takes care of the sparrows, God takes care of them, how much more would he take care of you? So he was reminded of God's care as he saw that physical illustration of that little bird he said, God takes care of me, and he was encouraged by nature. And sometimes through nature, God tells us and reminds us <clears throat> of his care. And so we all know these things to be true, but sometimes we, for, we forget. We don't mean to. We forget. So look at nature. 
Let me read that verse that in, the, in Matthew 6. This is good. And why take ye thought for raiment? That's clothing. Matthew 6, 28. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? If it's food, clothes, whatever. Jacob's version is, O me of little faith. And I'm sure we've all been there a time or two. If you ask me that, the disciples were there. Oh, us of little faith. We got Jesus right here and we're, we're all whacked out because we think we're going to get messed up. Peace be still. It's my opinion. I can't prove it. I think he went back to sleep. Can't prove it. <clears throat> he took care of them and he went back to sleep. Wow. Shall we then think that any part of our life is unimportant to God? It is. You're sitting here today, and I'm sure you're thinking a lot of things or some things in your own life, needs, burdens, problems, prayers, difficulties. Should we doubt God's care when trouble comes? We don't doubt when everything's going okay. And by the way, it's not bad for things to go okay. Occasionally, occasionally. Boy, the other day, I mean, every light was green. I was like, this is great. There was no line at Dunkin' Donuts. It's a miracle! You would go to the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts? I don't care when you go. I'm trying to think what's the best time to go. It never works. You sit there for a while, and there was nobody in line. I looked around, I went, nobody in line? How'd this happen? Every light was green. Everything seemed to work right. All days aren't like that. And I got a free coffee. I had enough points for free one. Say this is, now. I said, "The Lord, thank you." Think in my little mind. I was, I was, I know circumstances, but I was thanking the Lord for it. So, so it's easy to, not to doubt. Oh, God's helping me today. Well, I think He did. But tomorrow, if that doesn't happen, doesn't mean He's not helping me anymore. Or you. We can't base everything on the circumstances, because circumstances change, don't they? I'm looking at people who have lived long enough, and I say that carefully. I don't mean just our seniors. Some of you aren't seniors. <laughs> some days are better than others, and some days aren't so good. Circumstances change. God does not. I can't really get a real grasp on that. Maybe you can. That's the point of our thoughts today, to help us, that God does really care. Sometimes people say they care, but they don't. I've had people say to me, Oh, I really care, and I'm thinking, then why are you acting the way you're acting? Why are you doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying? I am sure I'm not the only one that's happened to. If you live long enough, it's going to happen to you if it hasn't already. God's care is clearly seen his provision for our salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God cared enough when we didn't care. None of us were there. None of us were alive then. I'm sure that. He died. He, God sent his son. Christ came and died that we might be saved. Talk about love and care. 
talk about dire circumstances. Do you know sin will kill you? And it will eventually kill you. It's a point of man wants to die. You know why man dies? Oh, they get some disease. Maybe. Man dies because of sin. The first man, Adam, disobeyed God, said, okay, now you, you just brought judgment on yourself. So someday we are all going to die. <clears throat> now, we all hope and pray it's not today. <laughs> but it's going to happen. The point is that God has provided for us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. He cared when we didn't even, we didn't even exist. And so to say God doesn't care, again, we know better. Just for the moment, we have a lapse. Like Mrs. Job, I think she just had a lapse for just a moment. We might say today, maybe she was having a meltdown. <clears throat> or she was having a moment. I don't know. I don't know if it was a senior moment or what it was, but she was having a moment. <clears throat> so God cares. God is also with us in our sorrows. He was with it. Remember, he was with the disciples. He recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. Remember the Bible says, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He recognizes us, <clears throat> but we don't recognize him sometimes. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Greater is he that's in you, that's in the person of the Holy Spirit. We forget it. We don't mean to. We don't consciously say, well, I want to forget it. We just go about our life and we just kind of get busy and forget. <clears throat> but God's with us in your sorrows. Negativity attitude overcomes us when despair leads us to conclude that some areas of life is outside God's circle of care. <clears throat> and it's not. That's why I pity those who don't know Christ as Savior because they have nowhere to go. Really. That's why they go to the world. That, and these, in God's people of Israel, the Old Testament, they were looking back to the world. Now, if they were thinking clearly, did they really want to go back to Egypt? <clears throat> now, I know they talked about the food. He said, oh, we remember the leeks, onions, and garlics. The only thing I think of when I read that, and I've said it before, bad breath. Leeks, uh, uh, why do they say hamburgers, french fries, or leeks, onions, and garlics? Ooh, nasty stuff. Yeah, you remember that. But did you remember 430 years of slavery? No, they didn't say anything about that, did they? Go back and read it. It was about 430 years of slavery. That's why they're praying for delivery to get out. That's why they prayed, God, help us. And then God sent, God sent Moses. So whatever our difficulty is, and I certainly do not want to minimize anybody's problems. I'm your pastor. It's my job to, to love the people, to care for the people. I don't minimize people's problems. And we all have them. Even as you sit here in church today, you may be hurting, you may be passing through trials. God will come to you where you are. <clears throat> I like this quote. I don't know who said it, but it's good. It says this. At the head of the procession of the world's sufferers is a thorn-crowned man, Jesus. The Bible says he was acquainted with sorrows and griefs. As he was prophesied by Isaiah, Jesus had his own problems. <clears throat> his own family didn't like him. He had so many difficulties, so he's acquainted with grief like you and I. He understands and he cares. Don't doubt during adversity. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment.
And maybe someone is really struggling today. I pray that God would encourage your heart with these few thoughts this morning. Father, speak to every heart as you've preserved these stories for the word of God and these verses for us, even today, May 30th, 2021. I pray that your word would help your people, those who are listening here today, those who are listening at home, that they would find comfort, help, strength, and encouragement today. And Lord, you know your people better than I know them. The difficulties, the problems, the burdens they carry, what they face, even today. And as they were real to Job, to the nation of Israel, to the disciples in that boat, they're real. I pray that you'd bless each one as only you can. Encourage their heart. Help them remember that verse that you care for them. Speak to every heart, we pray in Jesus' name, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And just a verse of invitation. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe right there in your seat. And you can talk to the Lord for just a minute. That's the best thing to do, talk to him. That's what the disciples did in, in, in the real, in real sense. They went and talked to the one who could help them, Jesus, and he helped them. He's the one that can help you. Maybe you need to trust him as your personal savior while we wait just a moment.